Hello, Nephew community, and welcome to the sixth episode in our Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast featuring Mark Newman. And today we're going to be tackling the impact of financial incentives in improving kidney care. The federal Medicare program has used financial incentives in various medical specialties over the years to encourage healthcare professionals to do better, whether it's about improving clinical indicators, swaying providers to use certain approaches to care versus others, or pushing efforts to save the program money by reducing use of expensive therapies and interventions or cutting down on hospital admissions. So today we're going to talk about the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services efforts to use financial incentives to encourage better outcomes in the ESRD program, in particular the end-stage renal disease prospective payment system, which uses a quality incentive program to determine some sort of payment adjustment to dialysis organizations. So Mark, why don't you go ahead and start our discussion a little bit? Sure. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the different programs that are out there, both for nephrologists and for dialysis providers. And, you know, this is an important issue for CMS and for Medicare because uh, they are a major payer for all dialysis and transplant services, uh, unlike uh, in many other specialties where there's a much greater percentage of uh, private commercial pay. CMS pays roughly about 90% of the bills for the dialysis patients in this country. So it's significant. So they, they, as an agency, and of course, playing with, you know, um, taxpayer dollars, um, they've been tinkering with efforts to influence clinical performance and reduce costs, both on the physician side and the provider side. So in 2018, as we mentioned, uh, ESRD cost the federal government $49.2 billion in one year, which is about 7% of that overall Medicare program budget. So it's a lot of money dedicated to um, around 500,000 patients, both on dialysis and transplant. So it's significant. Um, currently, CMS is using financial rewards directed at physicians, including nephrologists, through what's called the Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, which is the largest quality payment program administered by CMS. So in 2018, which is the most current data we have, um, there are over 870,000 clinicians uh, participating in that program. So that's for physicians, and that's directed at improving care and reducing costs. And then for dialysis providers, as many of our listeners know, we have the ESRD Quality Incentive Program, which is a 10-year effort using a pay-for-performance approach to improve the quality of care of patients on hemodialysis. Uh, the QIP uses 14 clinical and reporting measures to judge the performance of dialysis clinics around the country. Uh, these centers earn a performance score uh, that uh, the methodology is set up by CMS. And that determines if the agency will withhold up to 2% of the Medicare payment if the clinic score is inadequate. Uh, the, also, the agency is also using financial incentives in a couple of new programs, particularly the ESRD treatment choices demonstration, which started in January. Financial incentives are offered to providers to direct more patients to home dialysis and for those referred for a transplant. And in its current proposal for 2022, CMS is also offering financial incentives for clinics to do a better job of serving those populations that are socially and economically disadvantaged. So again, they, they are a true believer uh, in the idea or the notion that financial incentives or rewards will change or improve uh, and change, change behavior and improve outcomes. 
uh, also in the community care choices model, which starts uh, in January. Uh, they are also using financial incentives. Um, and the choices model, of course, is directed at um, improving care for CKD patients, not on dialysis. Uh, and there are incentives in place there for moving patients to preemptive transplants. So this is a, a, a kind of a common theme from CMS's perspective. You know, they started tracking data a number of years ago. Um, and of course, some of that, much of that data is also available publicly through what's called dialysis facility compare. And that's an opportunity for patients and, and, uh, and families and also dialysis providers to see how they stack up using these uh, QIP performance measures. So it's become very public for individuals who are interested in finding out um, how dialysis facilities are performing. So now, you know, in particular, the QIP has been out there for a number of years and the data, as you noted, is publicly available. So has the program worked? Well, it's a it's an interesting question because for many years, of course, uh, as we noted earlier, the QIP has been out, out there for 10 years. There's been very little analysis of the data. Um, you, occasionally you'd see a study, but probably the most significant one came out this year. Uh, so sort of in, in honor or respect, depending on how you look at it, of the 10-year anniversary of the QIP. And um, <clears throat> this was a study um, completed by Kyle Sheets and his colleagues from the University of Michigan Center for Healthcare Outcomes and Policy and Center for Evaluation for Evaluating Health. Um, and so they looked at, in essence, how dialysis providers responded to when they failed to get obtain their performance score. In other words, when the rubber uh, when the rubber met the road, so to speak, these were facilities that lost money by not meeting these scores. So Sheets and his colleagues looked at the years after that penalty was uh, uh, administered and to see if there was any changes in the outcomes. In other words, if they changed the way they did things, if they improved on their scores, et cetera. And they didn't find much at all. Uh, here's a quote from that article, which was in the Annals of Internal Medicine. Penalization in the QIP was not associated with improvement in total performance scores. And there was also no association between penalization and improvement in specific measures. So even though a facility was um, uh, uh, dinged, if you will, um, by the, uh, the um, not, not meeting the performance score in, let's say, vascular access or um, in anemia um, or in uh, KT reviews, they did those indicators did not improve in the years after that. And that's what they were tracking. And there was a second study also out there that looked specifically at vascular access. And this was published in the Journal of Vascular Access, <clears throat> and they reached similar conclusions. And this is a quote from one of the uh, authors. As one of the first financial QIPs in healthcare, which, which is true, this is really the first attempt by CMS to put together this incentive program in any specialty. The ESRD QIP has not achieved the stated goals of CMS to increase AVF access rates above 68% and reduce long-term temporary long-term uh, dialysis catheter clinical rates below 10%. And those were the goals of that particular um, clinical performance measure. Uh, he adds, um, the author adds uh, uh, systemic disparities in race 
a geographic region, economic status, healthcare access, and education of providers and patients prevent successful attainment of goal metrics. So it's a much bigger picture than simply saying, if you couldn't reach those goals, um, then we're going to penalize you without really addressing the story behind the story. And I think that's what he's suggesting in this paper is it's, it's a much more complicated process. So that's important. I mean, it's important to know that what works and what doesn't. And clearly, over 10 years of, of, of conducting or, or having this QIP program, there's been very little change uh, in outcomes. Yeah, and I think that does hint to the systemic nature of a lot of the variables that impact those outcomes. Um, and, you know, this kind of brings to mind what we see in performance improvement across multiple industries and in employment, for example, when people do a good job, you know, they get bonuses. Uh, if they do a good job, they complete a project. So there is the concept of providing a financial reward for a job well done. Whereas in this program, all CMS is doing is providing a penalty for what they perceive as a job not well done. So, right. um, you know, why aren't we seeing more of an incentive or a carrot approach instead of a stick approach with this QIP program? Right. And so that was the ironically when the program started and it was called the quality incentive program. You know, people say, well, where's the incentive? In other words, if I do better. Am I incentivized? Am I rewarded for that? But this program doesn't offer that. It simply says, if you do the job you're supposed to be doing, we don't take away any of the money that was dedicated to paying for dialysis. If you do not reach those goals that we set, then you will be penalized. So <clears throat> it really shouldn't be quality incentive program. It should be, you know, there should be a different name for it because it's really, the incentive is that if you do well, you keep the money you're supposed to be getting. If you don't do well, you will be penalized. So there's not a lot of reward there. So that's an important issue. And in the last few months, there's been some criticism of this, aside from the papers that we mentioned, there's been some criticism of the QIP and why it hasn't been effective. And part of that is, is regarding the, the, the common complaint that there's too many of these clinical performance measures for these dialysis facilities uh, to <clears throat> respond to and to have a good performance. When the program started 10 years ago, there was a handful of these performance measures. So now we're up to 14 measures and it encompasses a number of different things. Um, the latest interest, uh, for example, is in the proposed rule for 2022 is developing a performance measure for vaccines, uh, for the COVID vaccine particularly. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that CMS is reacting to. Uh, okay, so this is an important topic. Let's put out a clinical performance measure and let's rush it out there. And um, in this particular case, they are looking for some feedback, but it, again, it's the type of thing, it, it, almost like a knee-jerk reaction that, okay, um, this is something that we're seeing as a problem. Let's throw out a, a CPM in the QIP program and see if it, uh, and see what, you know, how facilities respond to it. Um, so that is part of the problem is there's been cr criticism, there's been too many of these, and they're not being properly vetted by the National Quality Forum, which is in essence, <clears throat> you know, the, the recognized by both the um, medical community and by CMS as the group that should be reviewing these performance measures that are proposed and giving them, you know, uh, their blessing. And many of these 14 um, measures don't necessarily have that approval. So that's an important issue. In fact, 
in their 2019 report, the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission said the commission's principles for quality measurement call for using a small set of population-based outcome, patient experience, and value measures. So right there, they're pointing this right directly back at CMS and saying, you know, it's, it's overburdensome. Um, over the past several years, the commission has expressed concern that Medicare's quality measurement programs are overbuilt, relying on too many clinical process measures that are at best weakly correlated with health outcomes of importance to beneficiaries and the program. So we have these 14 measures. How many of those are directly um, connected with improving outcomes and what we can expect from providers? So it's just not a very thought out process. Uh, and now there's legislation that also addresses this issue. Um, in both the recently introduced US Senate and House versions of the Chronic Kidney Disease Improvement in Research and Treatment Act, <clears throat> excuse me, there's language that calls for a review of the QIP to determine if fewer measures would be more effective. And the legislation reads something, you know, this is this is a, a quote or a passage from the legislation. <clears throat> Title III would reform how CMS adopts measures used in the ESRD Quality Incentive Program. So it's very specific to the QIP to ensure there are a set of meaningful, valid, and reliable measures. We would establish QIP bonus payments for facilities exceeding the attainment performance standards. So now we're shifting from penalties to bonuses, which many felt was should have been the original intent of the QIP. So that's a significant change. Instead of just penalizing providers for not achieving a performance score, legislation calls for providing financial incentives for those who do and that's that's new that's that's a step in the right direction yeah it does sound like a step in the right direction uh and the streamlining of the quality measures too aligns with cms has done recently in other programs as well uh they've been doing that with mips uh they've been doing that with their accountable care organization programs so hopefully that allows these organizations to have more laser focus on more meaningful measures and that incentive will obviously provide, um, you know, some motivation to achieve that. So what are some other initiatives, uh, you know, kind of along these lines that are currently underway? Right. So there's an organization called Kidney Care Partners. Um, they're an advocacy group for uh, dialysis patients, um, providers, pharmaceutical companies, um, the, the LDO, the large dialysis groups. And um, they've restarted a group called the Kidney Care Quality Alliance. <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of a quasi-independent organization of the KCP that develops dialysis facility level performance management for use in programs like the QIP and the ETC model. So uh, this is a group that does believe performance, clinical performance measures are valuable and can um, work in terms of modifying outcomes. So if the QIP is to continue, the hope is that they can develop uh, clinical performance measures that would be useful and of course um, approved by the National Quality Forum. So this is a quote from when they made this announcement. Our goal is to not only develop performance measures that are empirically sound, but that have community support. Uh, and I think that would also include patient, patient views on what's important uh, and in 2005, uh, you know, I mentioned that they have some history here. Uh, they developed seven CPMs that were endorsed by the National Quality Forum uh, in vascular access, immunization, patient education, 
fluid management and medication management. So they have some history here. And the hope is with this relaunch, as we mentioned earlier, the, the ETC model focuses on really two things. One is home dialysis and on transplant and to get more patients involved in uh, those options, modality options. So while with the relaunch, um, uh, the Alliance will focus primarily on home dialysis and transplant and anticipates the first measure will be submitted to the National Quality Forum for endorsement by early 2022, so early next year. So, you know, the conclusion is that, you know, we've, we've discovered that the way the QIP was set up has done very little to change outcomes. There's probably some good things in it. There's probably some good, certainly some good performance measures, but it can't just focus on penalizing facility. It has to focus also on rewards. And um, uh, if you do a good job, regardless of uh, what specialty or what profession you're in, there should be a reward system there as well. And so uh, I think with the legislation we mentioned earlier, I think with uh, efforts like uh, KCP to develop some, some new performance measures that are vetted properly, um, programs like the QIP can sort of be retooled and maybe rebooted and um, and have some success in improving outcomes. Yeah, thanks, Mark, for that overview. And, you know, the healthcare professionals want to do the right thing for the patients. So, you know, hopefully as these programs align with their interests uh, and really empower them uh, to provide the highest quality care possible um, and get rewarded sufficiently, hopefully we'll see care move in the right direction. So. Mark, it's always a pleasure having you on and getting these updates from you. Uh, Mark is a very well-respected uh, editor in the nephrology community. He's been covering nephrology news and issues for decades. So I encourage all of you to stay tuned every month for these episodes as Mark keeps us up to date on the hot topics in nephrology. So thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Eric.